Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have Colin Christensen on the show. Colin is a been-there-done-that entrepreneur and mentor. Awesome wins, excruciating failures, and lessons everywhere. He's a curator of all good things business and built a free, for now, tool suite for entrepreneurs and mentors to start and grow their businesses at entrepreneurroadmap.ca. Utilizing these tools, Colin has occasionally consulted larger businesses, launched a micro-lending app pilot project in Honduras that grew internationally, and ran an accelerator in the hemp and cannabis space. He's currently working to take the Entrepreneur Roadmap International as a tool for entrepreneurs everywhere. Most of what he does surrounds the Entrepreneur Roadmap, and he has just finished a choose-your-own-adventure book on it, which is in editing now. Also keeping up with his entrepreneur side, he also has another team with patents for reinventing drywall to be lighter, fireproof, and moldproof. Welcome to the show, Colin. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So before we kick things off, let's uh, start with what is the one thing you want entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today? Uh, how about go change the world and uh, do what you're passionate about? <laughs> Not a tall order whatsoever, but I mean, again, <laughs> that's uh, that's the kind of audience we're speaking to. So, Well, I believe that you know everybody's an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, the unfortunate side is everybody's got a great idea for an, a business. Not everybody knows how to build a business around it. Mm. And I think that's uh, that really is is so uh, that I think is a great kickoff. Actually, is that uh, what kind of inspired you to start the entrepreneur roadmap? Is that a kind of mode of thinking that you uh, that really kind of was the germ for that idea? Very much so. Uh, you know, years ago, after I've started a number of businesses as I've gone along, and and it's inevitable that um, there's something you don't know, and there's a, a needless failure that kicks you in the butt, and. Um, when you're trying to get things going, it's just nice to have uh, a few ideas that uh, of where to go, what to do next, what's important, you know, uh, get the right things going first. And so that's where the Entrepreneur Roadmap was kind of launched. Okay, great. And could you uh, could you give us just like a, like a basic overview of that? 
you know, of the, the of the roadmap. Of, yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's basically just seven steps. It starts with, uh, and this is one of the steps that most other business models similar to this don't use. Uh, but it talks about the entrepreneur first. So, uh, in other words, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have gone off and started a business only to find out that they hate their life. You know, you, you buy into a restaurant, let's say, and you didn't realize that you were going to spend, you know, 23 hours a day working in the restaurant, right? So, uh, the first things first is understand what kind of a business you'd like to build. If you understand that, it's kind of like um, a, a road race. If you're going to go race the Dakar Rally, you don't want to take a Lamborghini. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going to race an F1 race, you don't want to jump into a, you know, a, a Volkswagen Beetle. Right. So you need to understand the type of race you're going to race before you choose the, the vehicle that you're going to run in. So making sure that you have a good understanding of your life, what you're looking for, what you'd like your outcomes to be, and then being able to kind of go back a little bit and uh, look at the types of businesses that fit with that. It's very big difference to build say Facebook compared to something that makes 500 bucks working out of your basement every month. Right. Mm. So it's, so it seems to me like it's very much a, uh, an approach to really just like checking in. It's, it, it seems like a checks and balances kind of tool where it's like, okay, like, you know, who are you? What do you want? What do you want to do? And how do you build that? Uh, absolutely. That's kind of the step one. And then step two, it starts getting into a little bit more of the business side of things. So who's your customer? Uh, how do you know what your customer is? What are they like? What are they looking for? Uh, step three is a lot more about the financials. Uh, how does it balance? Can you make, you know, and sell the thing that you're trying to do for less than it would take to uh, make it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, understanding your sales process, things like that. And then step three or sorry, step four is all about uh, planning. So what does it look like in 10 years and then in three, three years and one year in 90 days? And then what do you need to do this week? Step five is all about the team. Step six is all about processes. Step seven is all about duplication and uh, improvement. Mm. No, that's great. And, and I think, um, and really again, this being something that uh, springing what I imagine is from uh you know, a common entrepreneurial experience and yours among them being chief included, that's kind of what I want to get into now and, uh, and really get kind of like, you know, the, the spark notes or the Coles notes of your entrepreneurial journey and how that has, uh, that has influenced your, um, your desire to build the entrepreneur roadmap. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of tell people I've been in and around business my whole life. Uh, my parents, my uh, mom and stepdad actually ran a fishing camp in Northern Ontario. So way up at, uh, near Timmins and, uh, we would go up there in the summers. I'd work, you know, 18 hour days and six days a week and build log cabins. We had no plumbing, no electricity. It was like 150 years ago. Uh, although it was like 150 years ago, I wasn't that, I'm not that old, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I just, you know, they worked a butt off for eight months of the year and then and took a uh, few months off, four months off and, and kind of just spent time at home, went to a couple shows to sell and market it, but that's about it. And it kind of got a little bit of a spark of entrepreneurship there. And, and uh, every time I was in a, an organization, I would end up being a part of the leadership team, helping to grow it and build it into something bigger. And whether it was the team side of things or the sales or whatever, <clears throat> I've just always kind of been asking the question of why things work the way they do. And um, over time, I've started and grown, you know, probably a dozen businesses or so, plus or minus some I've done well and sold and some have, you know, failed miserably and some have cost me my house, you know, <laughs> a little bit of everything in between. And so through all of that, I just got really curious as to why things work the way they do, what made a great team function the way it did. And um, 
that kind of launched a lot of these tools. And then in that process, later on in the process, probably now about 20 years ago, I ended up getting into a lot of mentoring. People would come to me and say, you know, I got a great idea for a business call and can I sit down and run it by you? And I said, sure. And every single time I'd sit down and ask the same questions and they'd tell me the same, roughly uh, the same answers. And I'd give them the same prescription, <laughs> go and do this. And, and uh, so finally I said, this is crazy. And so I wrote the whole thing down and, and put it all into a, a website for the most part and built the entrepreneur roadmap. And so, and then eventually wrote it into a book and all those kind of things. But I just, I love the mentoring aspect of it, working with people. And, and that's that whole joy of, um, after losing so much myself and going through so many hardships on myself, I'm, I'm like, how do I help people just avoid some of these needless ones, right? To, to get to the point where, uh, you, if you get this right and this right and this right, you're going to have a lot better chance of success. And, mm. and that's the problem though, because entrepreneurs kind of, want to learn it themselves and you know we all want to run headlong into the wall and then uh figure out that we need to fix something and we don't know where to get that answer and so that's what i'm hoping to fix yeah that's that's awesome and uh and again it, it really is uh, and that's something that reflects very heavily in what we do here at startup canada which is again Absolutely. it's just like you know how do we bring together people in uh, in this community and to say like look like you know these are all the same problems that uh, that exist these are all the same you know pain points that so many of uh, so many of you share and you know so many of the same experiences so how do you just avoid you know making the same mistakes that thousands of other people have had exactly i mean and i think that's exactly why things like accelerators and and startup canada and and uh, we have obviously local ones here these are great like we need more of this and i wish the entrepreneurs knew that too because it, 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 even with all of that all of us around trying to fix some of these things entrepreneurs are still jumping out there and 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 getting into things and then wondering why they're not working Mm. So let's let's shift the conversation a bit uh, to present day. And uh, so can you tell us about what it is you're doing right now and uh, what a day in your life looks like from a business perspective? <laughs> sure. I, I kind of, um, a lot of it comes down to trying to balance all these different things that I'm trying to move down the path at the same time. As any entrepreneur, you know, I've got my hands in different pies. And so one of them is Fuse42, as you mentioned, which is a, a hemp and cannabis accelerator. And then we have uh, the Entrepreneur Roadmap, which is mostly kind of takes care of itself right now. It's a, an MVP online for free uh, for now, like you said. And, um, and then, uh, then I also do the work in Honduras, which again is fairly low touch, but we're trying to create, uh, I've got a team building an app that is going to, you know, be like Kiva and be able to, uh, uh, lenders can give, you know, 25 to $500 to entrepreneurs in developing countries. Again, same problem. How do we avoid needless failure? So a lot of it is uh, phone calls, meetings, uh, lots of discussions, lots of planning, and then shut the occasional time zone down to just spend an hour or two with my head down and, and really digging in creatively on, on what needs to happen and how do we put these things together. Um, sometimes I'm teaching standing in front of both uh, uh, students all the way from kindergarten, although I cut that some of that out because that's kind of crazy. But uh, from, you know, pre uh, preteens, you know, uh, grade seven, eight, nine, all the way up to uh, grade 12, you know, teaching them entrepreneurship and then going in and, of course, uh, with the accelerators working and doing a class with them. So a little bit of all of that. And mm. it just depends on the day. I, I separate my days out fairly specifically. So I'll have a uh, you know, kind of a focus day or, uh, you know, a pr production day or things like that. So that's what it looks like mostly. 
right. raising okay. capital, <laughs> pitching, <Yeah. laughs> teaching others to pitch. Hmm. Okay. And that's, uh, so that's a good, like kind of comprehensive and, uh, and present view. So let's, why don't we look to the future now? So what, what do you think is what's coming next for you? Where do you see, uh, where do you things going? Have you, where are you on your own entrepreneur roadmap? For sure. Well, uh, you mentioned there the, the drywall. We have one team, and I honestly don't see myself running it. I've started it and kind of got it up and running. But um, once we get the samples and everything kind of put together the way we want to, uh, my plan is to have the right sales guys and the right team. I've already got most of them put in place to build out that company and actually produce a, a better quality drywall. And so that's that's kind of a big future event that's going down the path. Uh, a lot of them I'm trying to set up specifically so that they can run without me and where I can come in and, and share some of the expertise and help and touch all the great things that I love to touch, but uh, have it mostly grow on its own. The big focus right now and one of the ones that I'm I'm most kind of engaged in is the Fuse 42, right? The, uh, the accelerator. Uh, I see this as just an incredible opportunity. I mean, right now, you know, uh, hemp and cannabis is, a, is an interesting topic. And uh, one of the problems I see is that uh, just like 1999, 2000, you know, with the dot-com era, you've got a lot of people running into, um, in this case, the cannabis industry with very little or a little understanding of some of the fundamentals. And so there's a lot more failure going on here. And so it's a bit of a focal point for me. It's like, hey, look, there's a bunch of people making a mess of things. Let's go and see if we can fix it. Mm -hmm. And so the Fuse 42 is bringing those entrepreneurs in. Uh, investing money into them and accelerating them rapidly over that three-month period mm -hmm. to turn into a, a tractionable, investable business, right? And it's the focus of that is very cool because especially in this hemp side of things, hemp is such an incredible um, plant. I mean, you know, aside from the, the uh, recreational well, side on cannabis. The versatility I, is just incredible. Oh, it's incredible. Every part of the plant can be used. You've got fiber and herd. And now there's a lot of very crazy claims out there. And I don't know if I buy into them, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, we've got guys doing epoxy resins, uh, biodegradable plastics. We've got, you know, clothing, uh, textiles, fireproofness. We've got all these different elements that are coming out of this plant. And, and then the proteins, of course, and the foods and all those, and then there's of course all the recreational side of things as well. But it does it wonders for the soils. You know, Al uh, Alberta has got a, a very high center of um, agriculture, and we've got some of the best growing climates for cannabis and, and hemp. Well, cannabis is mostly indoors, of course, uh, but hemp in the world. So it, we've really got a, an incredible opportunity, and uh, I'd like to see this grow into. Um, you know, the Canadian standard, but also an international. We're already getting calls from CAVE in the Ukraine and all around being able to come in and, and people want to build businesses in Canada mm. and in this in the space. And we want to be the people that are doing that. And and I think that plays nicely into my next question too. And, and you touched on this a little bit, but um, it's that sense of, of traction ability. It's that sense of, mm -hmm. of, of a business having, you know, a good solid grounded base as well as uh it's as as if as if it was a tank on treads moving forward very solid very stable and and moving forward in its in its progression so what would you define as a tractionable business or what are the qualities a business needs to have to be tractionable to you uh that's a great question i mean it's a very complex one but i'll i'll try to make it as simple as i can in my mind um I say tractionable and investable typically together. One, and, and I don't know if they're completely 
um, separated. The idea is if I want to run a business, I mean, let's let's look at it from an investment perspective. I want a business that's going to produce dividends and be something that uh, runs fairly well. And, you know, people have talked about, you know, passing the bus test. You know, if somebody gets hit by a bus, can it keep going? So to me, that's a, a, a an investable business. A tractionable one is also one that just kind of trucks along. Like you said, I like the idea of the tank that the treads in the mud and even when things are tough it just keeps moving forward so some of the aspects of that would be you know a solid client base understanding uh who you're serving and very clearly and and what you're doing for them that they recognize and understand why they're the hero what value you're bringing to the table um having a solid team uh where the processes are you know duplicated at least in part that if somebody has to leave or quits or gets fired or whatever somebody can pick up the pieces and keep moving it forward there's there's all these different elements of let's call it maturity that makes a tractionable business the ironic thing is that tractionable doesn't always need investment, right? And that's where I find that's why one of the reasons why I use tractionable too, because a great business, you know, they don't necessarily need to go to the investment market to angels or VCs or even banks to get money. They can just build upon their own successes. Sometimes you need it, and that's I'm not saying investment's a bad thing, but if you have a business that's just trucking along, doing a great solid thousand dollars a month, and that's all you want it for, awesome good on you, build something amazing that the world wants, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. Just some of those solid fundamentals, good numbers, a good way to understand what's coming at you, uh, a good plan of where you're going, what you're executing each day, a, a solid team that loves doing what they're doing and why they're there, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Mm. Yeah, that's that's great. And that uh, and again, it, it, it builds very well into what I want to cover next, which is um, on this idea of, of tractionability and uh, and just ability to again, like like you said, keep trucking through things. Uh, what's your advice for entrepreneurs who are looking to scale their businesses? Hmm. Uh, for scaling specifically, uh, again, I think just having a solid foundation. Okay, so let's go back to the idea of, of building something over the long term, right? If you look at a building, you know, they spend how many months under the ground, you know, building a skyscraper. And then all of a sudden, once it hits about ground level, uh, it just pops up like it was there, wasn't there yesterday, and the next day it's there, right? And so once you build a solid foundation, you have something that you can build on. So part of that is understanding you and what your uh, strengths and weaknesses are, right? Uh, understanding who the market is again, and, and, and that that's a very important piece to being able to scale. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they're just running around and they're trying to serve a client and most entrepreneurs are going to be very opportunistic, right? Look, somebody's giving me money. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they want to buy something. How exciting, you know, or, you know, I'll buy it, but you know, I need you to change this or fix this or, and then people change, chase those rabbit holes everywhere. And, and what happens is they dilute their impact and it makes it very hard to scale. And so getting one thing done right well is, is going to make a much more scalable business. And uh, I'm going to meet with somebody right after this that, uh, you know, I think they've got some brilliant ideas and they, they're well self-invested and all those kind of things. But when it comes down to it, they've got a thousand ideas and I'm trying to limit it down to one or two that will really just mm -hmm. take off and allow them to scale yeah. rapidly. Yeah, and, and just setting and laying those train tracks down and going, this is where we're, uh, this is where we're going next and these are all the stops along the way. That's right. Yeah, there's going to be other things that you can do once you get to that point B. But just get from point A to point B, and then focus on what's going to come next. Yeah, and and I think uh, and I think that ties in 
that ties in well with um, with the next thing here, which is on the note of needless failure. Uh, it, it's a it's a topic mm-hmm. you mentioned before, and um, I, I'd like uh, if you could to define needless failure and then uh, give your best recommendations for avoiding it. Sure. Well, okay. Let's start with uh, you know reasonable failure. <laughs> okay. Uh, reasonable failure is sometimes things don't work. Right. Uh, not every idea is going to be the best one, uh, but you can't you can't figure that out until you try. And so, if you look at uh, the Lean Startup by Eric Ries is an awesome book for a number of reasons, and I could probably give you a list you know hundred miles long of great books. But um, that short cycles, right? How do we shorten the cycle? Uh, to figure out if something works or doesn't work and reduce the amount of cost that it takes to figure it out, right? If we can shorten the cycle and reduce the amount of cost, then you can fail quickly. And, and mm-hmm. you know, people refer to that, but there is an actual, you know, tactical way uh, of doing things. You know, uh, do we, I, I love in the book, even they talk about Zappos, right? Just to go take pictures of shoes and post them online and see if anybody wants to buy it. So what can we do day in and day out to try to figure out without spending any money and without taking a lot of time if this works, if this hypothesis, mm-hmm. this theory that I have works. And so that's part of the big one is people, okay, you know, I'm going to go to a bank and get $50,000 and then blow it because I have no idea what I'm doing. That's a needless failure. Right. Right. Uh, to me, it's okay to have a, a micro failure. Hey, I've got an idea. Go and talk to 20 people and figure out if anybody likes it, how much they might pay for it, why they'd be interested in it, what the real problem is, and then actually solve that, right? And if you can't, then, you know, figure out another thing. Uh, fail without spending any money or taking any time, right? So yeah. that's, the, that's the contrast between the two. So a lot of the needless failure is people biting off more they can chew, than they can chew uh, or, or not being able to have a client base at all, right? They're, mm. they're, they've got a wonderful idea for themselves, but they're not actually going and talking to anybody out there in the market to see if anybody actually wants it. Mm. And so that's one failure. Another one, again, is just spending way too much money on things, right? Uh, You know, well, I need this piece of software. I need to build a prototype so that people can see it. Well, why can't you do it with flashcards? Like, uh, you know, get your kid to draw them, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Is there different things that you could try and sample uh, and, and, and be more creative in coming up with a way to test your theory than spending any money on it. Right. Yeah. uh, And, and and just getting a sense of that idea and getting it out there and, uh, and just simply getting something out the door and getting again, those, those treads in the tank moving. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Um, and then just, yeah, I, I really like those recommendations too. Just, again, just simplify and just get it out there. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's again, at, at the core, it's, it's like, you know, if you have an idea, it, instead of wasting your time on trying to make it perfect before it, it leaves the lab or it leaves the workshop, understand if there's a need or want or desire for it. That's right. Ask if anybody's actually interested in it. Exactly. The... Uh, well, the thing I say uh, when I'm teaching the kids all the time, when there's two things I want them to learn is uh, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Mm. And the other one is build something people want. Now, neither of those quotes are mine. Uh, y Combinator uses the second one, you know, build something that people want. And I think that's a very good way to uh, look at it. And the other one is fall in love with the problem, uh, not the solution. And I forget who said that, but it's, uh, it's an incredible statement because the better you understand the problem, the better chance you have of, of uh, finding a solution. In fact, a lot of the time, the problem isn't what we even think it is. I'll, I'll go to the idea of, uh, you know, we are looking to solve lightweight drywall, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, 
if you've ever worked with drywall, we all know why it, it's, you know, we want it lighter because it's yep. and heavy. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. But it's not the problem. As it turns out, when I got into it and talked to more and more people, uh, the guys that are installing it, uh, the lightness isn't the thing they're looking for because it's lighter and it's easier in the guys. But there's a massive amount of WCB uh, claims because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also the only people you can hire are these big brutes. Right. And, and I'm not saying anything bad about, about uh, drywall installers, but, you know, it's heavy. So you need to be a really strong guy. And sometimes they pick up the fireproof stuff that's thicker and, it, and they throw their back out. So now you have a labor problem, but you also have a diversity of labor problem. So what if we could make lighter weight drywall that allows more women in the industry mm-hmm. and if they want to, <laughs> uh, but or even just a, a broader base of, of uh uh, different physiques that could uh, go in and work with drywall, you get much more artesian, you know, and you could do better things there. So the problem wasn't just lightweight drywall. It was something underneath that mm-hmm. and the impact that it can have on the industry. Right? And as one of the dudes who was always carrying drywall and always holding it while other people were putting screws in, I would have definitely <laughs> right. loved to have some of the lighter <laughs> stuff around. That's right. Okay. Um, and so Colin, uh, we're getting to the end of our conversation here. Um, we've covered a lot of great, great things. And I want to know after we've talked about all the things we knew we were going to talk about, all the things we didn't know we were going to talk about, what do you think is the most actionable and concrete piece of advice that entrepreneurs listening could walk away and implement in their businesses today? Well, honestly, I guess it's kind of those two things that I just said. Make sure that you're building something that people want. Go and talk to as many people as possible. Uh, but the, that also will tie in directly with the other piece, which is fall in love with the problem, right? Like just really understand why it's a problem, where it's coming from, why these people are experiencing it, what forms does it come in. And, and, and again, not to uh, you know advertise myself there, but in step two, um, of the the entrepreneur roadmap, I actually ask about three dozen questions like this, and it just allows you to kind of go in and actually think of things that you might not have thought of asking, and and find the different ways that this problem is showing up. If you can f- figure out the problem really well, the solutions come easy. That's that's the one thing I'd love to see entrepreneurs spend more time doing, and and figure out how to do it in shorter cycles that cost less money. <laughs> yeah. We want you to succeed. Yeah. Don't spend all your money in the first shot. And again, I, I love how all of these things come from a from again a, a perspective of you know just look like you know I've been here, I've done this. Yeah. These are the lessons <laughs> I've learned, and I've I've Please. made these mistakes. Do not make these. That's right. Please yeah. learn from me. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, if our listeners wanted to connect with you further, um, just you know, pick your brain. Any bits of advice here, there, anything like that? How would they go about doing that? Uh, there's uh, honestly one of the two websites is a great place to start. Fuse42.ca is the cannabis and hemp one, uh, but it's got some good forms in there that you could you know fill in and get involved if you have an idea or are a mentor or uh, an entrepreneur even, and would like to see that. And then entrepreneurroadmap.ca is the other one, and uh, that will all of those get right through to me. There's some really quick ways to be able to get access to me and 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 my team and be able to answer questions for you along the way. So those are probably the best two places. That's fantastic, Colin. Thank you so much for coming on the show today for sharing. Sharing your experience, your wisdom, expertise, your uh, your mistakes, your needless yeah. failures, and uh, and all the ways to combat them and go around them. And again, keep that tank on the treads and keep on trucking through. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. And I love what you guys are doing. So I really appreciate this time. Thank you. Not a problem, Colin. Take care. All the best. You bet. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 